Welcome to the Zell Informer Podcast. I am your host, Alfred Tabex, joined today by the brostest with the mostest, Andy Spatiri. What's up, everybody? So, Andy's been reading a book that he wants to talk about, uh, so I'm just going to let just throw that at him, and, and he could take it from there. Uh, yeah, so, as I said a couple weeks ago, I've been reading The Legend of Zelda and Philosophy I link, therefore I am, uh, which is a collection of different essays about different uh, topics in relation to philosophy and whatnot about the legends all this. So it's pretty interesting. I've only made it um, about three essays in, uh, and if you if you're not interested in philosophy, you probably won't. This probably isn't the book for you because it's more philosophy than Zelda. But uh, one thing that uh, it was a very very simple kind of question that the book posed, and I wanted to bring up here just to, to get Alfred's take on it, and you guys can let us know in the comments too, is uh, the very first essay was titled, Why Do We Care If Link Rescues the Princess? And by this, what it meant is, like, why do we care about the world of Hyrule and about Link and about everything that goes on when we know that it's fiction and we know that it's not true, etc., uh, etc., and so, without um, without getting too wordy or, or too into it, uh, the the essay gave a few theories as to why this this was. So the first was called the illusion theory. So we react emotionally. Uh, if we react emotionally, we must think that that's real. Of course, we know that the Legend of Zelda isn't real. So the second theory was the pretend theory, and he kind of likened this to kids playing, um, you know, in the backyard or whatever, thinking that they were pirates or something like that. So he was going like, we know it's not real, so the emotions that we have are pretend. But then, then he contradicted that too and said like, you know, and the essay was about Wind Waker, and he said when you see, you know, uh, Shadow Ganon, your heart starts to beat. So obviously it's not pretend. So his last theory was the thought theory. Which, uh, which basically says that we respond to art, um, just because it's emotive and gives us thoughts and ideas. And then he said that that was a contradiction too, because by responding, by responding to art, even though it's not real, you're, you're sending real compulses. So it's just kind of very interesting, like, it's kind of an interesting, um, topic that he brought up with no real right answer. So I like, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, like, why do we care about Zelda so much? So, uh, even though we know it's not real, so I just uh, I wanted to bring that question to the table and kind of see what you guys uh, what you had to say about that. Okay, um, <clears throat> I mean I think first off, a good narrative uh, builds up the characters in such a way that you become invested in them. Um, and I'm not saying that previous Zelda games have had the best narrative. Uh, I'm just saying when. Uh, I guess when you have a repertoire of a legacy that the characters in The Legend of Zelda do, um, and you're already familiar with them, it's easy to build upon them. Um, but when you have these characters, for example, um, a lot of people could identify with Link when he was in Ocarina of Time as a kid, because as kids, we all wanted to go on grand adventures and, you know, have a sword and save the land type of thing. Um, but 
we couldn't, so we kind of projected ourselves into that world. And so while we identified with Link, we also um, were able to empathize with him. And so when we when we can empathize with a character in a narrative, and we can feel what they feel on on a superficial level. Obviously, we're not like in love with Zelda. Hopefully, like uh, <laughs> Skyward Sword Zelda. Okay, well, yeah, you you can. I won't judge you if you are, but uh, I'm just saying, like you don't, like he said, you don't feel those real emotions that the characters feel. You empathize with them. And so when you do that, you care about what happens in that world on a superficial level um, just because you've been engrossed in the story. Um, and so from there, you <clears throat> think, okay, well, I care about what happens because I care about the characters. It's the same thing with in, in a movie that you're really engrossed in. Um, you know, you could even, I guess, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, in, in the second one, you care so much about the characters because of the first one and because of the repertoire they've built uh, and the familiarity that you have with them. Is, mm -hmm. if, if it was just standalone film um, and it hadn't had any background to it, you'd have no idea who the characters were and, and there's no building upon them um, to to empathize with. But because of that, you care about what happens to the characters and you want to see them succeed. You want to see them um, survive in what's going on. So I think it's kind of like that is after having built this familiarity with the audience, the audience can then project themselves into the story and, and go further and empathize with the character. And see, that's why, that's kind of what I brought it up too, because I, when I read it, like it's such a simple question, and I, as soon as I read it, I was like, well, the answer is, it's obvious, duh, because we project ourselves onto Link, uh, and that's why we care about him, because it's an extension of what we're doing. But then, like, I kind of thought about it some more, and I was like, well, I've been a big proponent for Link not being an avatar, Link being a character, so that theory doesn't really hold true that I am, that I am, you know, projecting myself onto him. But then as I thought about it, I was like, well, Link as a character hasn't really been that, he doesn't have, you know, as much development as, as maybe some other characters too, so that also shouldn't really hold water. So it's just kind of like a, it was a very simple, basic question that I, as I was reading it, I, I actually like kind of stopped and, and thought about, like I had to really think about it, which is why I thought that it was so interesting to bring up and kind of threw me for a loop. Like there's a lot of big uh, questions in that uh, in that book, and I'm sure as I read a little bit more, we'll we'll dive into some more of them. But uh, it was just kind of cool, like little little simple things like that that can make you stop and and kind of question something that you maybe have taken for granted or thought that you know you knew but maybe you didn't realize why you knew it if that makes sense so yeah. it's been it's been an interesting read so far mm -hmm. um so yeah so as as i get to uh, as i get through more of it we'll i'm sure we'll we'll bring up a topic from time to time and kind of plow it over but just uh yeah just some interesting kind of food for thought for uh for anyone that's been playing zelda for so long that the answer just seems to be kind of a you know a, a duh moment <laughs> so then uh from there uh you wanted to talk about darksiders since you got it on gold i think yeah i got it on gold and i got it a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and so we talked about it a lot last week which was kind of hyping me up um so i'm about 
I don't know. I think I'm, you're at the same place I am because I just got when I after the uh, last podcast I bought the War Master edition and the Definitive edition. Hmm. Um, so I've I've been playing it. I think I'm right. I just finished the Twilight Cathedral. Yeah, I just finished um, the Twilight Cathedral yeah. too. So what's that like? Maybe six, seven hours in, something like that. If that, yeah. Ish, yeah. I actually check specifically, but yeah. So um, I, I'm not playing the the Definitive edition just to throw that out there. Uh, for everybody, it's about it's about three hours into the game. Mm, I must have putzed around for a little bit. Cause I'm a, I've I've locked some good time into that so far. Okay, but um, yeah. So so maybe I was like I I think after last week I was a little bit hyped and talking about it. Uh, so I was expecting like like a masterpiece. And what I will say about Darksiders is that it's uh, it's pretty solid so far, but maybe not the game that I had imagined. Um, it's definitely more. Devil May Cry slash God of War than it is Zelda. Mm-hmm. Although I do, um, I do quite like the the Zelda parts that are in it. Like for example, the dungeons and the item progression that you get in uh, in the dungeons is, is quite cool. But one mm-hmm. one kind of comparison that I keep making to Darksiders, which might not be like an obvious one, is uh, is I, I compare it a lot to to Gears of War and I compare it to Gears of War in the sense that in Gears of War, you kind of go through this desolate, drab wasteland of what used to be humanity, fight off a bunch of aliens. Um, you kind of like you kind of go from room to room with the the vaguest of of principles behind it or vaguest of reasons, and the 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 meat is in the fighting rather than the plot or what you're doing. So I, I kind of get that vibe from Darksiders. Um, well, the premise is really cool, and I really like that. And War is actually, he's a badass, so he's really cool, too. <laughs> um, it definitely reminds me of that Gears of War, kind of like going from room to room, like wiping out the enemies, continuing, wiping out the enemies, continuing. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that that kind of tones down a little bit and like the more puzzly elements get toned up a little bit going forward. Because mm-hmm. I think it has like all the makings of like, like something that could be really cool, um, and it's it's kind of slowly getting there. But I think I need to kind of tinker my own um, thinking of what I of what I thought Darksiders is going to be into like what Darksiders is. Yeah. Because um, I I don't know what I was I don't know what I was expecting. I just, maybe probably something a little bit along the lines of Zelda, but uh, but uh, definitely definitely more of the of the Devil May Cry in particular vibe that I get from that, which yeah, is a, which is a great series. Darksiders is more of a hack and sl- well, Darksiders one is more of a hack and slash um, than Zelda is though. I'd I'd say that you know Zelda can tend to be a hack and slash, um, just because it's just because of how you play it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not nearly as fast paced. Uh, Darksiders two is quite different um, in that it's open world and not really linear. Uh, the difference in the two worlds is. For Darksiders 2, you can fast travel and stuff, I think. But um, you you go across a huge world, whereas in the first Darksiders, you can only really go back and forth between spawn points or, like, certain points in the map. Um, you, there, it's it's very linear. Uh, I'm actually okay with that. Like, I don't yeah. need to have every game that I play be this massive um, open-world experience. And I think that kind of suits Darksiders fairly well for, for the type of game that it is. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't I don't mind that. Actually, one thing that I thought 
what's kind of strange, which is throwing me off a little bit too, is uh, Mark Hamill in this game. Yep. And it's it's just kind of strange because like like he just talks in his Joker voice, and that demon is talking to you as if you know you got the Joker. So it's it's got that Arkham Knight kind of vibe where like. Batman's been drugged, and now he's hallucinating with the Joker in his ear and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's like it's extremely, it's extremely similar. So it's just kind of like it's 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 throwing me off sometimes because I, you know, I kind of expect to see the reward turn around for him to have like the Batman cowl on or something like that, you know, or for me to be fighting the Scarecrow. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But other than that, like like all the voice acting is is good, the setting is good, the the, the plot so far is kind of. Um, kind of disjointed i would say but like i'm sure that tightens up as we get a little bit more into it but i kind of yeah i think that i think the premise alone is enough for me to see it through and uh probably get the second as well mm-hmm. i mean i i found the games very entertaining um having played them i played the first one a long time ago i'm really glad that i have it again the the war master edition to play through again uh mm-hmm. just because I, it's been so long um i don't know really what changed in the two edition in in the remaster it might just be graphics or something um because there was no dlc for the first game that i'm aware of yeah um the second one had uh some dlc had a whole new story content to it um and the there's a again huge differences between one and two two is uh like it has side quests with you know bosses to the side quests um overworld bosses stuff like that it's it's just completely different um in terms of play style uh and death is a whole lot more uh agile than war but uh one thing um, i think one thing too that is a struggle for me personally is like i'm not very good at games that like you need button combos for uh like i'm just i'm just not like i'm not like i don't know my you think i'd be good at it after all these years of playing like video games but if it's like if it's like you know x up b whatever i'm just like i'm trying to do that and like in the heat of like a battle like i just mess it up every single time so that's that's a struggle for me too um and i never really played fighting games like that that's kind of why i like smash and to lesser extent street fighter so much because they're just simple Mm -hmm. to to play so that's kind of a hurdle for me too, because I have like I have no upgrades so far, and I haven't bought any moves. I've bought a few mm-hmm. other weapons and stuff um, in Dark Siders, but yeah, looking at some of those combos, I'm just like, oh god, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, the <clears throat> the progression again it, between the two games, uh, the only real similarity is like the gameplay and the continuation of the story, like. Uh, your progression with weapons, uh, what you do in going through the games, it's so vastly different. Um, and, I mean, I don't, again, I haven't played the first one in a while, so I, I don't, like, I can't compare the two in terms of which is better. Um, they're just vastly different in their play style. Um, and 3 looks vastly different, too, um, than it did, than the, the other two. Uh, I just I'd, I'd recommend trying them out if you haven't. Uh, they were on sale. I don't know if they are now. If uh, it's what were was it on sale or was it free for gold for the month uh, of April? It was like last or month May? or something like that. Okay. Yeah, this was this was a month maybe even two months ago, so it wouldn't okay. be on anymore. But 
like um yeah, you should definitely check it out. Like like I wouldn't say I'm in love with it yet, but the premise is definitely enough to keep me going and it's kind of got that uh it's kind of got that like like nice flow when you do start to fight. Kind of like the Arkham games have or Shadow of Mordor has. Like when mm-hmm. you do like when you do start to fight, you can it's very forgiving. Uh, everything you can forgive everything else a lot easier because it's like it, was, it feels rewarding to pull off all these like sweet moves and stuff like that. So, uh, and and that's like as simple as I've been playing even because I haven't been buying a whole lot of moves. But um, yeah, if if definitely if like combat is your thing, you'll love this game. If exploration uh, is your thing, we're getting there. So if, <laughs> if it's still if it's still on sale, like I'm sure you can. I mean, this game came out seven years ago. I'm sure you can buy it for like five bucks somewhere. So mm-hmm. definitely worth your while. I'm, I'm like I'm excited for the new one too. I think it looks really sweet. So moving on, then you wrote an editorial uh, this past week or this week. Um, I about... actually I actually wrote this a few weeks ago and just had it kind of queued up for a oh. for a rainy day. Uh, you wrote an editorial about how to build or building the ultimate Zelda game. Yes. Um, taking different bits and pieces from other Zelda games um, and putting them together. So uh, run us through your ultimate Zelda game. Okay, so first of all, uh, one thing that I didn't uh, put in there was music, because music, like the whole the whole list is obviously subjective to my personal taste, but music is just so subjective to everybody, I'm not even going to try and, and sort which game has the best music. I don't know if I could pick which game I think has the best music either, is another big part of it, so that, that one's off the table, but... Um, so I'll quickly run you through my list here. So I said uh, the thing that we'll use to build the Ultimate Zelda game is the foundations of the first Legend of Zelda game for NES, and that being like you're a young boy exploring Hyrule, um, exploration is key, the item progression is key. Uh, none, of, none of that would exist without the foundations from the first Zelda game, so that's in there. Uh, I put the controls of Ocarina of Time because that really just like set the standard. I mean, even Breath of the Wild pretty much uses the controls for uh, Ocarina of Time. So that's just been the standard for so many years, and it's just it's still so flawless. Um, Breath of the Wild's overworld, I think, is a no-brainer. Uh, it's probably the best version of Hyrule that we've ever gotten, might, uh, we might ever get. And I also took from Breath of the Wild the aesthetic of it. So uh, like the style of Breath of the Wild, I really like it because it kind of combines the playfulness of Wind Waker with the whimsy of Ocarina of Time with the realism of Twilight Princess. So it's all, it's very versatile art style. Um, so that, that would be my pick for how the game should look. Um, this was kind of a controversial one. I don't know if anyone else other than me would agree with this, but the dungeons from Ocarina of Time, I think I would probably pick as the best in the series. Now, if you made an argument for another game, um, I'd probably say, okay. And because like, that's almost like music where it's not like, it's so subjective from game to game that I wouldn't like, I wouldn't have a problem if someone said to me like, Twilight Princess has the best dungeons. And I'd probably say like, okay. Um, the boss fights from Twilight Princess, I think like, like from Zant to Blizzetta to, I can't remember the name of that, the guy is on the spinner. Um, the spinner boss battle, but that was pretty cool. And then, like, the epic four-part fight with Ganon at the end, I think Twilight Princess has the best boss battles of the series. Yeah. So, from there, um, the plot and... The plot structure, actually, I guess I should say, 
the pacing, the cinematography, I guess, uh, from Skyward Sword. Just the way that that plot was unfolded. There was a lot of just, like, awesome moments. So I'd, I'd want my plot to be told in a similar kind of fashion to that. Uh, the characterization of the Wind Waker. Uh, every character feels developed and fleshed out and has a story to tell and isn't just there for for no reason or, or someone to be saved. Um, the atmosphere of Majora's Mask, which I'd probably say is one of the best atmospheres in any game, like, ever, let alone Zelda games. So just the feeling of dread that you get from the moon in the air to, to you know, happiness when Lulu gets her eggs to sorrow when, you know, uh, her husband's dying on the beach. So uh, atmosphere from Majora's Mask. And then lastly, I took the theme from A Link to the Past, which was duality, which has been used in almost every Zelda game. Maybe not every Zelda game, but a lot of them uh, going forward. So you have, like, the ground and the sky. You have the Twilight Realm and Hyrule. You have the past and the present. You have... There's... The Zelda theme... Or the, the Zelda series is just played with this theme of duality for a lot. And I think if you were to build, like, your ultimate Zelda game, you'd kind of want that... Uh, you'd want that theme in there just as a as a homage to, to past titles. So that was what I proposed, but then at the end of it, I was just, I wanted to, I wanted to throw it back to everybody and see, like, if you can build your ultimate Zelda game, what do you pick, um, and why do you pick it? And so that's my challenge to everybody. Yeah. I'd agree with the boss battles from Twilight Princess, like, uh, the dragon fight was probably one of my favorites, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just because it felt so epic. Um, the thunder, the lightning, um, the Spider-Man crawling up, you know, the walls and stuff. Um, I'd, I'd agree with that. In terms of music, uh, since that was one that you didn't really decide on, that is something that's a bit difficult because it is subjective. Um, and the problem is, is over time, um, it's not necessarily that the music gets better, it's that the instrumentation gets better. Um, so while the original Zelda theme from the NES classic is, well, classic, um, the instrumentation in something like even Breath of the Wild is vastly superior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you encounter that problem, but I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily a selection of music for a game. I'd say a style. Uh, so, um, I think one of my favorite styles of music from any Zelda game was, uh, Wind Waker, um, just because of some of the ambient tracks, um, like when you're going into the, the forest above, uh, Outset Island, just the, like, There's some really underrated tracks from Wind Waker, too, like the Earth Temple and, um... And the the palace of the gods. There's a there's a lot of really good stuff in there, which doesn't or almost just, it doesn't almost feel like Zelda music too, which is why I thought it was so cool. I, I would just say the style of that music, um, how how they um, composed it, how it fit in with the world. Um, I I'd want to see that again. Um, I know that that's a really weird way to put that. Um, I, no, I think that's actually a pretty good way to put it because like there is there is definite styles to the like mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild had its own style, Ocarina and Majora's Mask had their own styles. Uh, I think that's actually quite a clever way to put it. 
I mean, that's that's what I'd say in terms of uh, what I'd want to see from a musical standpoint is is that type of style of music, um, as opposed to a certain track um, or set list. Because over time, like the tracks and set lists were made for specific parts of the game, so they're not going to translate well over to another part or another game. Um, but the style can, because mm-hmm. um, the styles are more timeless, and you can explore those in different ways. Um, whereas like Breath of the Wilds was more subtle. Um, the music was very toned down, um, aside from maybe the final fight with Ganon. Uh, it wasn't loud and blaring. Uh, it was, it was simplistic, uh, as opposed to something like, uh, Skyward Sword, which is more melodic and, and ballads, uh, and, um, it just in how, more bubbly and how the music was. I'm not a music professional by any means, so the stuff I'm saying is is just layman's terms for things that I could come up with. But then you have stuff like Wind Waker, <clears throat> which fits the theme of the world, is more overt and is more um, in your face with its music. Um, and then of course we've got Ocarina of Time and and, and Majora's Mask, whose main themes revolve around music. So the music there is is highly important and it is mm-hmm. highly emphasized. Um, so it, it comes down to style, and, and I'd like to see Wind Waker's style again, um, just the, the different types of instruments they used, how they uh, play them out. Um, I just I just want to see that again in another Zelda game. Um, I doubt we will, but that's in my ideal ultimate Zelda game, that's what there would be. Um, okay, so you're, you braver, mention, you're a braver man than I, because I couldn't do music. <laughs> did you mention art style? Yes, that, that's an aesthetic. Okay. So uh, yeah, let's, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, uh, Breath of the Wild is what I is what I would have picked for aesthetic. Okay. Um. I guess I agree. Um, it really depends on what the the main theme of the story is. I guess. Um. And I know that's weird, but the story, the themes, like even the aesthetic and Ocarina of Time, kind of changes after you go forward seven years mm-hmm. it's, uh, a lot, it's a lot darker and yeah. how do i put this like when you were in the forest you'd see some of that like forest dust kind of swirling around your like the life of the, the forest yeah and, and that yeah. that was definitely gone when you were an adult so like the aesthetic changes based on the theme that is currently being portrayed <clears throat> so you have in twilight princess a very dark aesthetic um and it gets even darker when you're pulled into the twilight um and so you have that kind of dichotomy like you said the duality of it um and depending on the theme of the game like i really don't know necessarily how breath of the wilds theme plays with its art style um but now when i chose breath of the wild and i almost chose skyward sword for this but breath of the wild i chose it just because it's very versatile Mm-hmm. You can have kind of like a dark, serious showdown with that art style, and I think that it works. And on the flip side, you can have Link acting like a goober while cooking, you know what I mean? And that works too. Yeah. Um, it might not work to such an extent where you can pull off like like a Wind Waker cannon shot to the, to the wall of the fortress, but <laughs> I think you can be very playful with that art style while also being very, very serious and... Um, I don't want to say dark, but like 
a bit dark, for lack of a better word, like in uh, like in Twilight Princess. So that's that's almost like the middle ground, I think, for me, and that's that's kind of why I chose it because I, I feel like it can go anywhere and do a lot. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, I don't know if I could necessarily pull off the serious tone that Twilight Princess had, um, or even Majora's Mask, but I see what you're talking about, where it can play with things like the Dark Ganon battle at the very end, um, <clears throat> and just dif- different moments like the Blood Moons and how that plays out in in the world. Uh, but it also intertwines with the beauty of the world, um, which is what I think really makes that aesthetic pop, like especially when you come across the dragons at night um, and they're glowing and then there's that music and then it just fits in with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it, it, it really depends, but I'd, I'd probably agree. Um, I don't know if there's been a more, like you said, versatile aesthetic um, and art style that could be applied to more than just one thematic element um, than in Breath of the Wild. Uh, I guess... Let's see, you brought up. Why don't we say? Why don't we segue from there to Overworld? Which one okay. would you would you say is your favorite? Um, that's tricky because there's there's Overworld. There's an Overworld that's clearly better, and then there's an Overworld that's like my favorite. Um, well, this is your ultimate Zelda game, so. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, like, if 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 we're talking about um the overworld style i guess uh, i guess i'm more leaning towards stylization as opposed to like ripping it specifically from a different game um style wise i'd like to see exploration meeting up against wind waker's ocean so like breath of the wild's type of overworld um where there's secrets everywhere and um there's different things that pop up um, with like, in in my opinion, with like large continents of space. So like, uh, kind of like a right now Hyrule in Breath of the Wild's like a Pangea thing. It's all together. Um, but it'd be cool to see them like torn apart into different continents that you had to use the ocean to get to. Um, kind of like I don't know if there's another game that does that. Um, but just in that kind of a way to where you have like um though you can have different methods of travel like an ocean and a horse on the boat and then you travel from continent to continent and once you get on certain kind of like uh um pokemon sun and moon um how there's different islands and you have to travel from island to island and they each have their different um themes and they each have their different quests that kind of a thing i think pokemon Uh, sun and moon you don't actually like you don't see yourself on the boat though right yeah, you kind of just go you don't but that, but that would in, be cool if you could in like a nod yeah. to one waker like just kind of sail around because i think that would be really cool too kind of like in uh pokemon ruby and sapphire um mm. where you surfed everywhere um and you surf from island to island or i guess part of the part of the main continent uh you surfed around it um, but in a more like expansive way to where there's multiple continents, like there's, um, I, I guess it makes slightly more sense, uh, for there to be like an arid region of, of the world in a separate continent than for it to go from like forest to desert and like that. Yeah. Um, 
and they did a very good job at like transitioning so like you had kind of a forest to like a dead dry land to the desert um but i just think that it would have been infinitely cooler to be able to go from continent to continent so kind of mixing breath of the wild's overworld with the method of travel from wind waker with like an ocean and then even using a horse later on um like they said in in an interview that they wanted to give link a horse in wind waker um in in before they developed the islands as as small as they were but they couldn't figure out a way for him to look good on on a horse i was just Um, thinking like what would a horse look like in that art style it'd be a really weird shetland pony (laughs) um but i'm just again the uh, the art style and the the like the yeah the style of breath of the wild with the overworld type of breath of the wild but in continents and an ocean uh to explore not just a dead ocean um like we have in wind waker or skyward sword for that matter um in terms of the sky mm-hmm. there's something that invites exploration is something that um has more stuff to do while you're traveling um like in breath of the wild so that's that's what i would like to see is is a you know a separate continent world that you can travel between or even fast travel um should you want to do that um but yeah that that's my ideal overworld um that is definitely a pipe dream uh, i think that'd be pretty cool though like you could probably even feasibly do that in the breath of the wild successor is be able to explore oceans a little bit more because there's not really any any like really big rivers or or lakes or anything like, not really so I, I think that that's less a pipe dream than you might think. Maybe like in the way that you're saying, but I think you could definitely probably expect to explore the, the ocean a little bit more in some future Zeldas. So. I hope so. I mean, I just like to see those two mesh in a way that works and that you could see, you know, you had a bigger um, open world in Breath of the Wild than you definitely do in, in uh, Wind Waker. But I just like to see... Because... The travel idea in Wind Waker and the travel idea in Skyward Sword were so good. Um, they just needed to be fleshed out more. Like, yeah, there's there's basically, like, every quadrant of the map has a separate island um, in different spaces. And, and you, you could travel from each quadrant in, in ocean, Ocarina, no, Wind Waker, sorry, um, of the ocean in, in Wind Waker to find a new island. Some of them have consequence, some really don't. Um but I'd like to see it more along the lines of a, a natural, uh, I guess, type of world with Wind Waker where there's not just like one land mass in specific areas and specific quadrants. Um, it doesn't necessarily make sense in the terms of a world. Um, whereas being able to travel from continent to continent, kind of like a, in, I guess, Nino Kuni, um, if you ever played that, um, there's like two or three continents that you travel to. They're really close. Um, but, and I'm loath to use that game because I'm, I'm not its biggest fan. But uh, just kind of in that vein of travel. Um, and especially in Skyward Sword, like it was such a cool way to travel, but there was just nothing there. Um, I, so, I'm, I'm Skyward, Sword, uh, Skyward Sword's biggest fan, and like I didn't like traveling by Lothwing at all. It, it's just It was just so barren. There was just nothing there. Um, and one, then, one thing I would want is just, um, I'd be totally down for, for traveling more by boat in a future Zelda, but we, we, we need a better item than like 
the Korok leaf in order to get us around or, you know, like, or instead of having to change a wind all the time, like, I don't maybe Link finds an encoder motor in a dungeon or something like that. But yeah, we no, need, no, no, yeah, like, kind of like a, in, in a Phantom Hourglass, where yeah, yeah, you didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, wind or, uh, you know, pushing it with a leaf. Like, that's definitely mm-hmm. not going to fly in, in a massive open world with a, where you have to travel by boat. Um, but just kind of like, you know, we already have technology in Breath of the Wild um, with the Clockwork Guardians, uh, with the Sheikah technology. So it, it stands to reason that they could develop a boat, like, pretty simply. They have yeah. a flying bird thing. Uh, so I think that they could develop a boat pretty simply. Uh, so uh, I was imagining more along the lines of that, not necessarily changing the wind um, and having to deal with a sailboat because that would get very tedious with like a a, a world like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think as long as they can put that in, um, I'd be like that would be awesome. I would totally look forward to that. So mm-hmm. do, do you want me to run you down the list of what we got left? Sure. Uh, okay, so. Controls. Which game would you uh, select as your pillar for the controls? Um, it really depends on the type of game. Because if it's a top down, then we'd have to go with something like, uh, you know, like the past. Uh, but if it's if if it's going to be three D, like we're talking about right now, um, I mean, I think they've all kind of had similar controls, just different variations on them, um, and in and mostly gameplay style so in ocarina of time you had uh like the z target which is you know that that started z targeting Mm -hmm. um and so you had the the z lock and then you had your b slash and you you know your forward jab and and all that stuff um and then you had the jump attack and then you could jump back and that's pretty much it and same thing in the in majora's mask in wind waker um you could dodge roll and and you know press a if, if the timing's right to come up behind someone and, and hit them um and that was handy for fights against like dark nuts um and even ganon to a lesser extent um and so you have that kind of an introduction to that and then in twilight princess you learn different moves from uh the hero shade to i guess implement and that includes like finishing moves booster arsenal yeah um and so with that comes like different control variations and then in skyward sword obviously that's just vastly different controlling because you're using the wiimote um to you know hopefully one-to-one take down enemies um and then breath of the wild just kind of goes back to using you know ocarina of time standard Mm. Um, there's really not a lot of variation in that um except you could kind of combo items or yeah, combo and that, that's kind of why I selected um, Ocarina of Time, just because it is, like, the standard. You could probably say that Twilight Princess and Wind Waker improved upon it. Yeah. Uh, which they did. <clears throat> but I, I just think, like, for for a standard um, control system, um, Ocarina of Time is just still, like, like that rock, that, that perfect foundation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that it's a good foundation. I, ju- I just like the improvements made upon it over time, um, like in Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. Um, and it just feels more fluid in later games, I guess. Uh, just That's just natural because of graphical um, 
how far we've come. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so that's, I'd, I'd agree that the Ocarina of Time is a good foundation, but I'd probably pick one of the more um, like developed systems, probably Twilight Princesses, because I'm also talking about gameplay as well as um, like controls. And I'm not talking about turning into a wolf. I'm talking about pure like sword play. Sort so, of play like riding your horse, like core mechanics that that go from game. Yeah, to game. yeah, yeah. And that that's also another thing too. I I really like how how it felt when you're riding the horse in Twilight Princess. I mean, for that matter, in Breath of the Wild. Um, so uh, I get like I'd say bre- kind of a combination of Breath of the Wild and Skyward not Skyward Sword Twilight Princesses, where you have all those finishing moves and you have different like parts of your arsenal that you can explore while also having the fluidity of Breath of the Wild. Because, uh, oh my gosh, the, one of the most satisfying things is jumping off your horse and slowing down time to fire an arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just feels so good and feels so natural. So stuff like that I would love to see return. Um, especially yeah. fighting off against a guardian or, or jumping off your horse and um, using the, the fire or the flame current to propel yourself upwards and take down an enemy. It's just... A lot of the stuff in that game felt really good to do. It, um, it feels good to do. My actually, my like in Breath of the Wild, I never really rode horses. Is the only thing stuff climbing everything. So just random factoid. But yeah, uh, I, just, I agree with you. The the controls in Breath of the Wild were were like second to none. That's probably just me being nostalgic. Um, you know, putting a creative of time on there. But yeah, it it it, it felt good. So I'd say probably along the lines of, of those. I know I'm not really being. Um, insistent on one or the other i'm just i'd like to see a combination of like twilight princess and breath of the wilds controls and combat um because i think that they would work well together especially with like finishing moves and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so what else do we got all right what about plot and when i say plot not the story per se but the way that the plot is told and revealed um uh I like Breath of the Wild's story and how it was revealed. I think it was clever. I don't know if it would work again. Um, because it works very specifically for what is going on. So Link forgetting his... Link, Link losing his memories um, and having to regain them back. Like Still, thematically, I don't know how well it worked in the game because you're seeing, you're seeing Link's memories in third person as Link's remembering them in first person. Uh, so it doesn't make too much sense if you think about it a little bit, um, but it worked well for the context, I guess, with you know Link having his memory gone, having to relearn everything. Um, what I'd like you said, I, I'd like to see more Skyward Sword, um, like of course Skyward Sword with voice acting. Um, yes, so like that'd be incredible. Having voice acting with with the characters, having the plot development, um, having it uh, play out in such a way that you can, um, I guess, explore the characters more um, and you get to know them more. And and here's the thing that I think Nintendo was having trouble with was figuring out a way to make an open world where you could go from dungeon to dungeon um, completely on your own, like choosing what you wanted to do while having the story be somewhat linear. So that's why you experienced the memories like you did. So for example, 
What which dungeon did you go to first, or which which divine beast? Uh I went to the Gerudo one. Okay, I I went to the Rito one. So, in a linear game, you would have had to go to one of those first in order to experience the story the right way. Mm-hmm. In Breath of the Wild, what they did was, uh, you had you re- would regain the memories to replay the story, um, and. In that way, in that way of telling the story, you could go tackle the dungeons however you wanted. So it worked within the context of the story um, and in the context of how the game played out. Um, and I, again, they're still experimenting with um, open world, obviously. Sorry, open air. Yeah, like, I but I would put Breath of the Wild as, as one of the worst, to be honest with you. Maybe not, like, Middle of the Pack, definitely. It has a good story. The way it was told was befitting of the game but it wasn't the best way to tell a story in my opinion because mm-hmm. it's so it, disjointed and it the just only feels way to like really get... missing you know feels like metal gear solid 5 where it's just like yeah. it just it's abrupt and it's awkward well you get you get bits and pieces of a story that you're left to fill in the blanks with on your own yeah um and that's not necessarily good storytelling especially if you haven't been able to flesh out the story a lot like i'm i'm the story for Breath of the Wild was good. It was, it was one of the best we've had in a Zelda game um, just because it had a story uh, that was more than Link saved the princess. It was, here's here's like fleshed out characters um, to some extent. Ish. And yeah, that's what I said to some extent. And so um, it had voice acting. It had full cutscenes. I'd like to see the cutscenes done in the style of Breath of the Wild, but the cutscenes like in Skyward Sword um again i just i let me interrupt you really quick and go quickly to characterization because i feel like these are almost uh one and one and of the same almost yeah um what would you what would you go for for that so i always say that wind waker has the best characterization of characters that we've seen um and that's because we we get more depth to ganon Ganondorf as a character um but you can even say up until like Wind Waker Twilight Princess Skyward Sword have really good characterization um I guess one of my one of my favorite progressions of a character in the Zelda series is Groose I was hoping you were going to say that well just because you see him go from like a pompous asshole to this like guy who's willing to risk everything for the good of his friends and the good of the world he, he's um, kind of like the opposite of Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Instead of getting worse, it gets better. Exactly. And and that's that was a really good characterization because we saw him grow. We we literally saw Impa call him out on being a, a jerk. Like he's like, you know, you're you only care about yourself type of thing. It's like, you know, you're you're basically useless. Um <laughs> and then he's like, Well, man, she's right. And so I want to do something. So he built the Groose Cannon and he helps you with the umpteenth fight against uh the imprisoned and you know he's he develops more as the story goes along um and so does zelda and impa um like i guess the the characterization in that game was just so so well done um despite what people think about the game and, and how they you know their opinions on it the story was really well like played out well um you know, so it, that's, that's surprising to me. Are you, you're you're saying Skyward Sword over uh, Wind Waker? I feel like kind of like you said how Ocarina of the, Ocarina of Time was like the foundation 
I think Wind Waker was a foundation for how it built the characters up. Um, and so we saw like a little um, characterization. Like we we saw Tetra being built up. We saw um, Ganon being built up. We saw the King of Hyrule. Um, and then they took that further in Twilight Princess. So we saw Colin. Um, we saw the annoying chick that Colin was in love with for some reason. Um, we saw Impa's characterization. Um, we saw Zant's characterization. What was uh, the girl's name so, again that took care of horses? Ilya. Ilya. Oh, I, she was the worst. Yeah. So we saw we saw different characters be characterized and some growth in them um, and development, and then they took that a step further in Skyward Sword, um, where they had the characters have like like they focused on certain characters and gave them motivation but also in the side quests you got to see a lot more character motivation there um than you did in any other game so mm -hmm. um gosh you, you saw batro's characterization um you saw karain's and the annoying guy i don't remember his name with the blue hair that was in love with karain um oh yeah then you saw uh, the guy that really wanted to, like, he was trying to work out to be like Link. Um, then you saw Groose, you saw Impa, you saw um, even Fees, I guess. I love Fee. I don't know. Um, I know everybody doesn't, but I, I don't know. I love her. I think the, like she, the final ending scene of hers is like up there with Zelda moments. Yeah. It, it, so you you had all this characterization with characters, and not just the main characters, but side story characters too. Mm -hmm. um, and you got to know them in a way like that was meaningful and impactful, as opposed to Breath of the Wild again, where it was again they fleshed out characters okay. So, so Zelda was fleshed out really well, I thought, but then yeah. everyone else was kind of left wanting a little bit. Yeah, and even even uh, Link was such a static character. Um, in Twilight, not Twilight Princess, in uh, Breath of the Wild, like okay, we learned that his dad was a soldier, and so he became a soldier because of his dad, and oh, he's the chosen one, and and character arc, like that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas in in Skyward Sword, he goes from okay, well, I really want to be a soldier, but nobody really believes in me. To I have to undertake this, you know, huge quest to save Zelda. Um, to now I'm gonna start a nation type of thing um and so Wouldn't that i be think cool that, if he was the eventual king of hyrule in another timeline well, i mean i just think that they played it out so well in skyward sword that that has like the best characterization in terms of games uh for the zelda series um and i'd like to see more of that played later out and the thing that i think that nintendo is confused about is how to handle open worlds because if you i don't like comparing it to this because a lot of people are going to get mad at me um, but Skyrim's way of telling the story is in such a way that all of the story is linear um, and it's not told in fragments, but the world is such that you can explore it in an open world way without having to go from, you know, dungeon to dungeon to dungeon in order to experience the story. If you want to pick a specific storyline, like the main story or a side story, mm -hmm. um, then you can explore those while still exploring the world and finding more side quests and stuff. Um, and granted, that's a huge, that's such a big undertaking to do um, that probably would take way more development time and resources. Um, but I, I just, 
the way that they told the story in Breath of the Wild fit for what it was, um, for what they were trying to do, but it could be done better. That's good that you uh, brought up Skyrim. I, uh, before Breath of the Wild came out, I did like a piece talking about like what they could learn from each other, and I, I think I'm going to do a follow-up to that pretty quick and just kind of elaborate a little bit more on that um, as well. So, yeah, so I, we've only got just a few left. What about atmosphere for a game? Um, again, that really depends on the story. Um, like in Majora's Mask, there was the imminence of destruction that you had with the moon falling that made everything that you do matter. Uh, so everything... Um, it made it more real, I guess, in the context of what was going on. So... Your actions carried more weight because you only had a sp- a, like a certain time frame to do them in. Um, so, like when you were, um, if you decided that, oh well, I want to go help the guy with his chickens, um, that took up X amount of time, mm-hmm. um, and so it mattered. Granted, you could always reset everything, but the characters would forget everything, and you'd go back three days, um, and so uh, you have. The imminence of the imminence and value of time in Majora's Mask um, that worked for what it is. In, in Wind Waker, the atmosphere was more, um, I'd say playful, but it's actually pretty serious. Um, and they Definitely told playful the, at the beginning, which I like. But um... well, they they told the story. They told a very serious story in in a playful way. So like, I mean, I the ending to that game was probably one of the most like Heavy. intense intense heavy endings that you could have found in a Zelda game. So like you stab Ganon in the head with the master sword, he turns to stone and then the king of Hyrule drowns. So that's pretty much how that game ends. Um, And that's pretty dark for a very lighthearted game. Uh, And so it's, again, it's all about how they tell the story and how they want to convey it. Um, And they told a dark story in a light way. Um, and then you have Twilight Princess, which is a very dark atmosphere um, dealing with the theme of Twilight. Um, like you said, duality. And then Skyward Sword is more upbeat for more of the melodic. And I guess, again, just um, the, the I, I know melodic is not a nature, but the ballads um, that it, it used to tell the story. Um, and it just felt kind of like a stage play. Um, and so it was more light in tone but could also be dark when it needed to be um mm-hmm. especially the but again uh, the final fight for that game was uh like the the atmosphere of the final fight was really good um the final fight in and of itself was actually kind of easy um my, but my thing with get... majora's mask about like how i just think like what it does is so great is like like yes the plot kind of gives you that that atmosphere of dread but it's really just like the like the simple things, like the symbolism, like no matter where you are, you can look up and see the moon and you, you can never forget that threat, you know, because there, there is a lot of side stuff to do in Majora's Mask, but you know, every time you're there, you can, you can look up and just every time you see it, you're just reminded and you, and you get that feeling that just washes over you. Like, like I, you know, everything is going to end and, you know, like there's really heavy stuff in, in Twilight Princess and there's heavy stuff in Skyward Sword, but at the same time you can go fishing in both those games and feel like everything's fine and it's it's it doesn't have like the same Well yeah kind of it weight. doesn't have again like the same imminence and Majora's Mask deals heavily with death and the acceptance of death. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that that you see with all the different characters. 
Um, and so you have all those like feelings and emotions in that game. Um, and I guess, like you said, the atmosphere is very good. I, my, my thing is, would that apply well to another Zelda game? Um, like, obviously not, not straight up, but in just terms of like the world being able to make you kind of feel, feel the feels of just like some simple, simple imagery or symbolism. I, I don't I mean, know I'd, that. Any I'd game's say more close. along, I'd say more along the lines of the fact that I'd like the atmosphere again to be that everything you do matters. Um, every action you have affects the world in some way. Um, and affects the characters in some way as opposed to just kind of a one and done thing mm-hmm. um so like progressing the character's arc for cafe and anju um and how that affects how they act the rest of the game type of thing um and the impact that your actions have i'd like to see that explored later in other games in other zelda games um as opposed to just you know you know, they're side quest characters and you don't ever hear from them again. The world's such intim- so intimate in Majora's Mask um, mm-hmm. that the characters matter and that they have a place and, you know, you you invest in them. Um, and again, just the imminence that whatever you do matters and, and like, your time matters. Um, I'd like to see that explored. Maybe not in, like, the three-day mechanic, but that, like you said, that, that type of atmosphere where, you know... Yeah, like that, something something unique to the other game, but something that at the same time can can pl- convey the same. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so last one is dungeons. We sort of um, talked about it a little bit, but what do you think I, for your money? What do you I think has wa- the best dungeons? I don't want to see the dungeons from Breath of the Wild Return. Oh God, well, let's not even <laughs> go there. I don't want to see that happen again. Uh, uh, okay. Um, I was a fan of um, Skyward Swords Dungeons. Um, and, and again, the one I keep thinking back to is the Ancient Cistern. Um, if you want to talk about something that deals with duality, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the top pristine area and the bottom like hellscape. Um, and just the... I guess puzzles and I don't think I've ever gotten stuck in a Zelda game as many times as I have in Skyward Sword. I'm just trying to figure out what to do and where to go um, in the dungeons. I, I, they just felt, especially the final one where you had to collect all the pieces of the Triforce. Um, I, I just really enjoyed the dungeons in Skyward Sword, uh, how they played out um, the different puzzle mechanics. Um, but I also really, really, really liked the dungeons in Twilight Princess. Um to where your items that you got had an impact on it uh, in, in a huge way. So uh, the, I thought that the, I can't remember what it's called, like the, the house with the Yeti was just really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about um, with, with having to use the uh, ball and chain um, as, a, as a huge mechanic in that. And so as opposed to like um, wherever you have, oh, well, you got the boomerang, so you kind of do a few things with the boomerang here. Whereas pretty much every puzzle you have you know, involves you having to use this item that you got. Um, and they kind of pulled that off in Skyward Sword also. Um, I can think of like with the beetle, uh, the lasso, um, just using them in such ways, like, you know, even small ways that they still matter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd say Skyward Swords uh, dungeons, especially like the the boat, the sand ship. Um, that yeah, that the, was really cool. See, and I the fight. I struggled the, between Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, and Twilight Princess were kind of my front runners. And I think I ended up just kind of going with Ocarina of Time just because those are a little bit more iconic to me because those were like mm-hmm. the first ones I ever did, but they still hold up really well. Yeah. But like if if you made an argument for any of those other games, I couldn't disagree. Yeah, I I definitely say Skyward Sword for me. I'd love to see that type of style um in those types of dungeons to return again. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it, it just it was just felt natural in the world, felt good. Um and the way that they played out was was pretty cool, pretty awesome. All right, there's your ultimate Zelda game. Yeah, try to piece all that together. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we talked a lot. So uh, we're hitting our time, keeping it at about an hour. Uh, so we might talk about building an editorial later. I might make a video about it since we don't really have any news this week, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. And any closing remarks, Andy? Uh, thanks for thanks for listening to us yammer on about our Ultimate <laughs> Zelda game, and please let us know what yours is. It's very interesting. I, I like to see where some guy some guy in the comments just said Twilight Princess. That was all he said. So maybe a bit more than that, but <laughs> let us know. Yeah, basically, uh, make your chimera of a Zelda game and pitch it to us, mm-hmm. and we'll go from there. All right. Well, thank all right, you guys. Everybody. See ya. See ya.